Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 47 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everybody is having a great week out there, back with another action-packed movie from the 80s. I told you a couple episodes ago that we were going to be going through some action films from the 80s, some lesser known, moving to a little bit better known, and that's certainly true this week. Uh, And you'll notice we're stuck in the 80s for a little while. Originally, when I started the podcast, I tried spreading out the decades so that I jumped from decade to decade and didn't have two movies in a row from the same era, and that kind of came to a crashing halt uh, a couple episodes ago when we had a run of 90s movies, and then all of a sudden I had a run of 80s movies, so I just kind of put them all together, and they all fit kind of the same theme, if you think about it, going back a couple episodes to I Come in Peace, and then last week with The Wraith, and this week we continue with a better-known movie, 1989's Roadhouse, with, of course, Patrick Swayze in the lead role, a movie I had not seen until recording this episode of the podcast. We also have a first in this episode of the podcast, and that is, I made a mistake. When we get to the pop quiz, the first question I asked, my guest jumped in with his answer before I started reading the choices, and I told him he was wrong, because I didn't even have his answer down with the choices, and it turns out that I did a poor job of putting my answers down, and he was right. I didn't have his answer as a choice, but he had the right answer, so I wanted to make sure I corrected that up front and give him a just for making sure he had the right answer, which... I messed up on. So sorry about that. So our movie this week is Roadhouse. Our guest is Sean Connell, who brings this movie to us for discussion. And again, I had not seen this movie before, so it was kind of a treat to see it for the first time and get to sit down and talk about it. So here we go with Roadhouse. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I'm 37. I live in South Carolina, Um, engaged. And I work for Boeing. That's something. <laughs> um, I'm a movie buff and, and TV buff and also full of useless knowledge, a.k.a. a trivia host. So A trivia host? I was going to jump on the movie buff, but let's start there. Uh, yeah. t- tell me a little bit about uh, hosting trivia. Well, I've been doing it off and on about seven years-ish. And uh, I do it weekly at one place. And then I've recently, a couple years ago, booked my own gig where me and my fiance, she helps me out. Uh, we do twice a month, do themed specific trivia. like, uh, you know, specific movies or decades or TV shows, DC Comics, Marvel, Disney, just whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I get paid for it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you write the questions. Your fiance helps you write the questions. Yeah, for the what, the twice a month gig, I we do our own. But the weekly gig, they're sent to me via company I, I get paid by. So... Gotcha. Two different dimensions, you might say. And which version do you prefer, where you get to write them or where you just get them? Because I'm sure both have their perks. <laughs> yeah, I prefer to write to my own and pick my own themes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Plus the crowd we do for that is a, is a brewery cl- crowd, so it's much more fun, much more open. Oh, I bet. I bet that is a blast. It is. So uh, I would say hit me with a trivia question, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Like I don't expect you have one right next to you. But uh, um, actually, I got my Google Docs pulled up all my trivia questions. Okay, hit me with a question then. <laughs> let, me, let me pull one up. Okay, uh, what insect produces food for humans? What in? 
Okay, I was. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, oh, a bee. There you go, honeybees. There we go. Yeah, yeah honeybee. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've not gotten to attend any trivia. Um, the area that I live in didn't have a lot, and then all of a sudden, like there was this boom of them, and I just didn't get to go. And then, of course, you know, COVID. So, <laughs> yeah, I was hit by COVID personally. Me and my fiance both. Like you had it. We had it. Yeah. Oh wow! It sucked. How are you now? Oh, we're healthy, thankfully. Okay. It was, it was, we, bo- we both had mild cases, but my fiance also contracted pneumonia on top of it. Oh, and dude, I'm so sorry to hear that. It, it, it was scary, but we both we both passed it, and then we're fine, thankfully. Well, I'm very glad to hear that because that's I have I don't think I've had anyone on the show who's been affected by it yet. So oh. I mean, other than just the inconvenience of everything shutting down, but um, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk movie. You said you're a movie television buff. What kind of things are your area? Uh, well, first and foremost, wrestling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan, but also like um, a comedies and drama a little bit. Like I'm a huge Law and Order SVU fan. Okay, I love that show. And then like primarily, if it's comedy, Home Improvement with Tim Allen, gotcha. that's my go-to because like. And then I still love cartoons. I mean, even I'm pushing 40. I still love cartoons, <laughs> but like, like Ninja Turtles, Batman anime series, Scooby-Doo, Inspector Gadget, those cartoons, like old school. Yeah. I, my, f- the first thing I watched on Disney plus was Steamboat Willie. And the first thing I watched oh. on HBO max was, you know, classic Bugs Bunny. And I was a little disappointed that, you know, with the, the DC offerings in HBO plus that they didn't have the Batman animated series. Um, but yeah. I think as they phase out, the DC universe stuff that's going to come to HBO plus, which I'm looking forward to. I really want to revisit the Batman animated series and uh, particularly Batman beyond. Yeah. I, I got the animated series on Blu-ray thankfully. And also I have a lot of, a lot of the DC animated universe movies on Blu-ray as well and digital. So gotcha. I'm a huge DC fan. Gotcha. Cool. I, I have yet to really find a DC animated movie that I enjoy. Like they're, they're good, but I tend to watch like the, the big ones that, you know, the big stories that I'm familiar with and they never translate very well to animated form. Yeah. Like, uh, when they did, um, Batman, the kill the killing joke. That's the movie. one I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, I, I was skeptical because, but the, they said they brought back Mark Hamill to be Joker. I'm like, okay, I'm, okay. I'm in Mark Hamill's a Joker. Right. That was the key selling point to me was, okay, yes, I'm absolutely coming back from Mark Hamill. And like, I get that he loves the story and I don't think he was bad in it. I just don't think they did a great job of translating the story for the screen. Yeah. I, I say, I agree to disagree. Cause I've read the book first, obviously, and then, but Kevin Conroy's Batman is also golden as well. Oh yeah, iconic. But but when they ended, they did the pro like the uh, pre story of Batgirl. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, and that seems to be the part that a lot of people take issue with yeah. because I guess Killing Joke wasn't long enough of a story, so they added this second story as kind of an, an introduction, Intro. and it didn't pay off very well in most Not people's really. opinions. And like the end of it was like you know the the both Batman and Joker laughing. And I think I remember I was in the theater when they I did the, the, went to the theater release of this. And when people were like, did he kill him or not? Like, did y'all not read the damn book? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why they go see the movie. <laughs> Duh, of course not. And then uh, I didn't read Dark Knight Returns, which is Frank Miller's graphic novel. Right. Which I love. But I saw the movie to, like, you know, I had the, the copy, which is both parts in one. So it's like almost like two and a half hours long. 
right of a movie and it was i liked it honestly that is on hbo plus and i haven't checked it out yet because i didn't like the killing joke and i i absolutely love miller's graphic novel there so yeah. i'm i'm hesitant to watch it in another format but if you say it's good i might check it out yeah and then the thing is like i i feel in person i'm sure a lot of people agree that dc kills it with animation like marvel and vice versa with live action right yes it's, it's a like a big DC fan, I am. But some of the live action movies suck. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I need to revisit Wonder Woman. I enjoyed it, but I, I haven't watched it again since I saw it in the theater. And I I skipped Aquaman entirely. What? <laughs> I just I heard so many bad reviews that I was just like, I'm not giving it my time. And it's also on HBO Max. Yeah, not that yeah. This is a commercial for HBO Max, but just. <laughs> This, this episode brought to you by HBO Max, not literally. Right, right, right. Well, what's not on HBO Max is the movie that you picked for this week's show, which is Roadhouse, which is Roadhouse from uh, 1989, uh, yep. written by David Lee Henry and Hilary Henkin, directed by Rowdy Harrington, starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, Sam Elliott, and Ben Gazzara. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is... Dalton. I thought you'd be... bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? The worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. So I always start by asking, how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? Like, how do you sell them on wanting to see it? The way I would sell it, I was thinking it as a modern day Western, a modern take. Because I did, when I did some research, some of the characters' names are derived from old time Western names. Right. Like, Kellynch's character is called Doc, and that's derived from Doc Holliday. And if I remember correctly, like, Sam Elliott's character derived from the guy supposedly who killed Billy the Kid. Right. So... It's like a bad, badass Western in modern times. That's an interesting way to put it, because uh, our our hero, Dalton, kind of does go into town as the man with no name. Like, he doesn't want himself known. And, like, his first instance, his first interactions when he kind of comes to this new place to check it out, uh, he doesn't want to give his name. Like, the bartender asks for his name, and he says, Coffee Black. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, uh, the way his he's first introduced, actually, because thank God I rewatched it, it was a waitress... First, a bouncer Terry Funk, pro wrestling legend, was in this movie as a bouncer. He's, <laughs> yeah, nice pick. He says, "If you're not drinking, you're out of here." And then the waitress says, "Hey, don't worry about him. He was born an asshole, just grew bigger." Right. And so he gives her the name first. He said, "You got a name?" He said, yeah. And what is it, Dalton? 
And, and then later on, the bartender asked about the coffee. It was after Dalton talks to the band, who right. was le- the, the band leader, the blind guy. It was after that interaction. That's when the, the coffee black. Yeah. But I, I, I loved that interaction with the waitress where she asked, hey, you got a name? And he just says, yeah. And like, yeah. There's, and there's a pause. Like, she's expecting him to say it, and he doesn't. Like, he's just, yeah, yeah. I have a name. It's almost like um, way of saying, fuck off. <laughs> right, right. So I'm like, don't talk to me, please. So what is your history with this movie? Like, how, when did you see it? How did you get introduced to it? That kind of thing. I just watched it. I think nobody told me about it. Um, I think, I'm trying to remember. I think, I think I watched it on DVD or TV, TV or something like that. And I was, Swayze was a great actor, in my opinion, back in the day. And I just watched it. It's, you know, the fighting and, you know, obviously, I think a little bit of campy comedy. Um, I just, just a, the fights and Sam Elliott was a kick-ass guy in a movie. Yeah. Uh, the story was good, so... Yeah. So I'm familiar with this movie. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, I feel like it's in, you know, the cultural zeitgeist and, and people are aware of it and there's references to it, but I had never seen this movie until you picked it for the show. So when I watched it in preparation for this episode, that was the first time I ever saw it. And wow. I have to say I, I was missing out. I, I was a bit surprised that uh, it was as good as it is. Yeah. Now, I was also surprised that it, you know, given how it's in the cultural zeitgeist, it didn't do very well at the box office. No, it didn't. It got some Razzie Awards, too. Right. It got critically shredded. It sits at 39% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 66% Mm -hmm. audience score. It sits at 36% on Metacritic. This is not a very popularly accepted film, and yet it has entered into our zeitgeist. So I, I always bring in a couple of uh, critical reviews, a positive and a negative, kind of to give us some some points to talk about if we want to. Uh, the pe- positive comes from Jay Boyer from the Orlando Sentinel, and he writes, not only is Roadhouse a four-banger, and he's talking about the fact that it takes four shots to kill the bad guy, not only is Roadhouse a four-banger, it also features lots of big explosions, plenty of bloody fighting, including one fight in which a man's throat is literally ripped out, and even, no mm-hmm. kidding, a monster truck or two. Of course, the film also has its romantic side. Semi-nude female strippers are prominently featured as are fairly graphic sex scenes, and I'm sure there were those who need to know this, a glimpse of Swayze's derriere. I'm yep. resisting the temptation to get an unfair laugh by saying that Swayze's backside does all his best acting. The truth <laughs> is that, though the guy is no Robert De Niro, he's charming enough and he has the impressive physical presence of a dancer, which of course he is. On the negative side, we get our review from Roger Ebert. I always try to use Ebert when I can. And Ebert said, this is the first movie in a long time to use the line, prepare to die. And how long has it been since the same movie contained, A, a dash into an exploding building to save an occupant, B, a rock and roll band protected by a plexiglass shield, C, goons who line up for instructions and call the bad guy boss, D, a lecture on the finer points of bouncing, E, a sexy woman doctor who goes all the way on the first date, and F, random quotations from great Western philosophers roadhouse exists right on the edge between the good, bad movie and the merely bad. I hesitate to recommend it because so much depends on the ironic vision of the viewer. This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it is not a boring one either. That's I, I, I agree with the last line. It's not a boring one. No, it's definitely but, not. And, and obviously, obviously Ebert has his own definition of all the way. Cause he didn't go all the way on the first day to idiot. <laughs> it, was a, it, it was a kiss as a makeout that's not going all the way okay yeah. and you mentioned the box office uh if i could i just looked it up their budget was 15 million dollars to make this movie 
and it drew in 30.1. So it got some profit. Well, but, yes and no. I mean, movie yeah, studios yes no. cook their books so that no movie ever makes a profit because part of what they do is give percentages of profits to actors, writers, directors, that kind yeah. of stuff. So they always try and fix it so the movie doesn't actually make a profit. But $30 million on a $15 million budget is not a great success. No, especially for a late 80s, 80s movie. Yeah. So, but, um, like, so I was also speaking of Razzie Awards, I read, I was reading this on um, IMDb. It was listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made, according to the official Razzie movie guide. Right. So, right. And I did enjoy it. I mean, I, and I, did. I didn't, I will say as the movie went on, it is a relatively long movie. It's just shy of two hours. Um, yeah. And as the movie went on, I did think it got worse. Uh, it, it, like it, it becomes cartoonish at a point, and there are certain scenes that are very slow paced. But I really, especially the first hour, I really enjoyed. I did too. Like, I mean, yeah, granted, I watch, I watch, I watch this movie so many times. Like, I know every line almost. I listen to it at work, just just hearing it, the audio, while I'm working. So, right, it's, it's that good to me. But uh, talking about character, the character Dalton, like. Who would have thought you think of character as a bouncer that has an NYU degree in philosophy, right? And he's a, he's a bouncer. You think you think at first like what in the world is he doing being a bouncer? He's got a philosophy degree. And one of the things I mean, like the description for the movie on Amazon or IMDb specifically highlights the fact that he has this philosophy degree, but it's not brought up in the movie until farther into the film. Yeah, you when he just, gets he get, yeah he gets checked out in the medical in the medical uh, facility. Right. You just get this sense of Dalton, especially in his when we see him in his first gig and then his interactions as he comes to the double deuce and kind of scopes it out and is initially setting up camp there. You mm-hmm. get the sense of this guy who is smart, who um, is very good at being a bouncer. Obviously, he's a legend because everybody knows the name Dalton, even if they don't recognize him as Dalton. Mm-hmm. But even in his rules that he sets out to the other bouncers, this is a man who uses brain over brawn. Exactly. And so I think that philosophy degree was thrown in to help kind of point that out for the audience that didn't make that initial assumption based on his behavior. Yeah, definitely. Um, And you notice like when he's talking to the bouncers, his three rules that he has and is never, never underestimate your opponent, expect the unexpected Take it outside. Don't don't start anything inside. But the last one was be nice, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like, and the one bouncer's like, come on, and he's like, if somebody calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. And the guy bouncer's right. like, oh, okay, right. And I love that that he he says, uh, you know, the guy says, what if they call you a cocksucker? And he says they're just words put together to elicit a response. Yeah. And also, he's basically saying, don't, don't fall yeah. into that. I mean, he's giving them advice that you give a, a child. Pretty much. Which is weird, you know, because they're adults, supposedly. <laughs> right. But I also love the fact that he does, when he's talking about the patrons that they want to get rid of in order to improve the place, he does call them, you know, middle-aged adolescents. There you go. <laughs> and, uh... I don't know if you knew this, and you've noticed how like, all the old movies or TV shows get rebooted or remade or whatever, and some don't succeed or get credited or very well. There was talks about doing a remake of Roadhouse, yeah, and supposedly it's going to have Ronda Rousey. 
Yeah, and that's from a few years ago. But I, I mean, I like the idea of doing a new version of it, and I kind of like the idea of doing a new version of it with a female. Yeah. But Patrick Swayze just has something about him that makes this part work. Like, you know, there is something very soulful about him that mm-hmm. represents that idea that he has a, a philosophy degree, which, let's be honest, is frankly kind of a useless degree if you're not going to teach philosophy. Exactly. You know, I mean, he is very well built. There's no denying that. He has a lot of shirtless scenes where you can see his abs and, and that kind of stuff. And there, I mean, there's no denying he has a great physicality to him. He has this this mental fortitude. And I don't know, as much as I like Ronda Rousey, I don't know that she could portray that same type character. I don't think so. And I was so against the, the, the concept of a remake of this because it's just a, we call it a cult classic, you might say. And right. it's like, if they try to do a remake of The Breakfast Club, I would have pissed my pants. It's, it's one of those movies, those movies you cannot touch. You shouldn't touch. And yet they've talked about remaking that one too. I mean, everything is fair Ugh. game for a remake, even though they should. I mean, I, my personal favorite is is they, they announced a, a remake of The Princess Bride. And what? the internet went nuts to the point that they kind of, they, they didn't say it was canceled, but there's been absolutely no talk about it ever since then because the response was so negative. Oh, yeah. If, if, the, if they tried to redo Labyrinth, people are going to go nuts, especially my fiance. That's her, one of her favorite movies. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, you can't redo David Bowie as Jareth. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to the subject. Yeah. So I, so anyway, yeah. I mean, I, there was a lot of uh, things to like here about Swayze's performance, but I also feel like, you know, he establishes those three rules early in the film, but I also feel like as the film goes on, yeah. he, he's, he loses that stance. Now, one could argue that it is poor writing, but I don't think so. I think it's showing just how much of a toll this situation is putting on him that as the situation gets worse and as the villain becomes more villainous, mm-hmm. uh, he's being beaten down, maybe not physically, but emotionally. But it's mentally because he's, and yeah, because also he's looking at the townspeople, you know, being beaten down mentally with the villain of Ben Gazar's character. And he, he sees his first hand. He's like, okay, I don't want to get involved, but somehow I am involved in, in this somehow. And he kind of throws his rules right at the window and not right away, but as it goes on, he just like loses, loses consciousness of those rules. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen where people have said he, he loses his rules. I don't think he loses them as much as he just doesn't like, I don't think there's any point where he fails. Maybe the be nice. Maybe he falls into being called, you know, being, being goaded into a fight. Yeah. Uh, exactly what he told the bouncers not to. But at the same time, I don't think he loses his way as much as it's just he can't keep it up as much. I agree there. I mean, does that make sense? It does. It does. It, does, it makes more sense. And let's, if we can, let's talk about Ben Gazzaro's character, Brad sure. Wesley. I mean, not your typical villain in a sense, as most people would see nowadays what a villain looks like. But the way it's almost he's like, I say a modern take on Prince John from Robin Hood as he robs the poor to feed the rich in a sense. Except for the rich is him. Which is him. <laughs> which is basically him. Yeah. So he's he's like the Prince John of this town. And that's a good analogy. Yeah, I just I, I just now thought of that, honestly. <laughs> I didn't want to think of that before. But yeah, he's he's basically Prince John. He's basically making his money off the businesses 
through a legality loophole, and Dalton sees it. It's not even a legality loophole. It's it's extortion, pure and simple. But since he has the police in his pocket too, I mean, they even address that in the film yeah. where Dalton says, "You know, we need to we need to tell somebody about this," and they say, "Who would you tell?" He has everybody in his pocket. Yeah. So, and then he's like you say, he has his goons. According to review you read, is like, "Yo, boss, here, boss. I'm here, boss." Yes. <laughs> so like you talk about ass kissers. <laughs> But the goons are, they're an interesting aspect as well, because at the beginning, they're very inept, they're inadequate, you know, Dalton can easily kick their asses. Yeah. And then late in the film, he gets this karate guy, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy. who is, essentially, he's the anti-Dalton. Pretty much. You know, he he could do everything Dalton can do, but he's evil. I mean, that's, if you look at it, the fight between them, they're kind of doing the same style of fighting. Yeah. Um. But he is so over the top cartoonish as opposed to the goons that we had at the beginning. Like oh. he he lights the the Emmett, the, the guy who's renting Dalton a room, he lights Emmett's house on fire and he's riding away on a motorcycle, cackling maniacally. And it's like that's as cartoonish as you can get with a villain. Yeah, pretty much. Or you look at like the other goons, like the the, the big fat one, Tinker, you know. Like, yes. Or um, what's his other game? Um, the one who got beat up at, at the house. Um, oh, O'Connor. He's like the, right. the, the wimpiest of all because he, he's the, you can't take too, you can't take pain. Anybody's you bleed too much. <laughs> you, bleed, you bleed too much. But um, yeah. But fun fact: I read this. Uh, Marshall Teague, who plays Jimmy in the film, they were tra- yes. him, him and Swayze were trained by um, a kickboxing legend. I can't pronounce the guy's name, but the fun fact is like the injury that Swayze sustained, he still suffered two broken ribs during that fight scene. And if you watch it, the log that Jimmy uses was a real log. It was supposed to be a, Ouch. It was supposed to be a prop log, but it was mistakenly, it was a real log. And that's how Swayze suffered two broken ribs in that movie. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I like Marshall Teague and I, I've certainly seen him in other stuff since this. Yeah. Um, I, I, in fact, I don't think I've ever seen him this young. So the fact was I didn't recognize him until I saw his name in the end credits and went, oh, that's what he looked like when he was really young. Mm-hmm. But I just it, it just cracked me up. I mean, the, the, the villain going back to kind of the point you started with, you know, Ben Gazzara's character is he's a businessman. Mm hmm. And there is definitely a, a completely villainous nature to him from the get-go. I mean, every every part that he, every scene he's in, every choice that Gazara makes is to show this guy as a villain. But it's still subdued compared to Jimmy. Oh yeah, definitely. He's not as physical in a sense as Jimmy is. Yeah. Well, it's not even the physicality; it's the mentality. I think. Yeah, it's it's like the different different levels of being maniacal like Ben Gazzard's character is more mentally maniacal and Jimmy is more physically maniacal. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I would almost describe it as the difference between uh, uh, someone who's essentially a mastermind. Mm-hmm. Not that I think Gazzard's character is, is that brilliant. He's just, he's in his position because of money and money is keeping him going, Yeah, but he's, he's kind of a mastermind as opposed to Jimmy. Who's more like a psychopath. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, I, I, and I, that fight the, between when the fight breaks out between Dalton and Jimmy, that yeah. the, after Emmett's house is torched, and that that fight you're talking about where Swayze sustains sult- multiple injuries, 
it's an impressive fight. Oh, it is. It's 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 one of the scenes in the movie. It's like it, that really. When I mean, you look at all the bar fights they have, and that one fight, it's like that. I don't think that's how the, the drawing factor of the movie per se, but it was one of the one of the best fight scenes I've seen in movies in a long time. If you compare yeah. it to, compared to like say I would compare that to maybe Walking Tall with a Rock, you know <laughs> the, the, the final fight scene he had with the main villain. Yeah, which another Neil McDonough in that movie is another one of those kind of mastermind. He's not physical. I mean, he gets to be physical in the movie, but he, the character he plays is very much in line with who Ben Gazzara is playing here. Exactly. Um, so how about we talk about Sam Elliott's character? That's what I wanted to switch to next, because yeah. what a delight that is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was, see, I never saw much of Sam Elliott's work but, uh, over the years, but just watching him in Roadhouse is golden. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his work, but I'm used to him having that mustache, that iconic mustache he has. And here he's he's obviously younger, although he's not young. He's yeah. still salt and pepper hair and he's scruffy. He doesn't have his iconic mustache. But the man just just bleeds charisma every time he's on the screen. That's I mean, he just controls everything. Exactly. And him playing a mentor to Swayze Dalton, just, just, just a, my favorite part of the movie was when he sees Dalton getting his ass kicked behind the club and then he's like how's it going Mio and then Terry Terry Funk's like mind your own business dad (laughs) well I love that because that's that's we had one phone call between Dalton and Wade early to kind of introduce Wade and Wade was actually introduced way early in the first five minutes of the movie because when Dalton is hired to do this gig the the person who's hiring him says I want the best and they say Wade Garrett's the best yeah and well Wade Garrett's not available so then later we get that phone call between them so that there's a rapport between them and then he shows up just as Dalton is getting his ass kicked and it's a beautiful moment yeah especially when the big guy's like you want to fight dickless and like, well, i sure ain't showing you my dick and he punches dick punch right there right right oh my god yeah elliot can certainly fight i mean that's that's yeah. i mean i know all, all most of the actors if not all the actors did most of their own stunts they did have stuntmen on set but most of them were used for like extras in the bar fights and that kind of stuff yeah um so when you, you see wade fighting that's you, most of the time that's sam elliot doing the the movements and it's he's great oh yeah he is and um so and then you see the almost the backstory kind of roll on with between him and dalton especially when he talks about dalton's past and the restaurant how yeah he's he see him and doc together and but then he's like what's wrong with you you still dragging that shit with you a long way from memphis i'm like "Uh uh-oh yeah and my first question was what the hell happened in memphis because they don't directly tell it and then as that conversation unfolds you get enough information that there was a woman yeah that dalton was interested in she was married the guy pulled a gun on dalton and dalton killed him yeah and that goes to some of the rumors we heard about dalton early in the movie about him having killed a man yeah and and obviously this haunts dalton he has baggage from it yeah and he still carries around he's and uh ways i thought you'd be a little more philosophical about it he kind of brings up the fact, hey, you got a philosophy degree, you study philosophy, let the shit go. Right. But Dalton can't. Right. Because right. it's like the heavy cloud of guilt weighing over his head. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think that's also part of what makes Dalton a really interesting character. I agree. You know, that, that he does have, he's not a flat character. There is no. a lot for Swayze to play with here. And that's part of why I enjoyed his performance. I agree. It's, um, it was funny is like Marshall T did an interview. It was a thing was like the anniversary edition of roadhouse or whatever it was. And he, I guess he had a son or nephew in college and they were talking about they have roadhouse nights and they also they do a, like a what would Dalton do philosophy thing at his college. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the interaction between him and Wade is really interesting. And I, I think in a different actor's hands, it wouldn't have been as compelling. But Sam Elliott just brings so much to the character. So you have him saving him from that fight and then going out and he gives Dalton a hard time about falling in love with this woman. But at the same time, he takes her out and dances with her, exactly. you know, and, and jokes about how he would have stolen her for himself. Yeah. And uh, I, I, my favorite. So I, I mentioned earlier kind of the how Dalton regresses over the course of the movie. So early in the movie, you see him practicing out by the lake, practicing Tai Chi. Mm hmm. But then he's gotten to this breaking point, especially after Reds has been burned. He's gotten to this breaking point. And so instead of doing Tai Chi, he's in the barn pummeling on a target. And Wade comes in mm. and, you know, kind of goads Dalton into the point that Dalton throws a punch at Wade and Wade just catches it. Like yeah. Sam Elliott barely moves other than putting his hand up to stop the punch. And it would have been really interesting to have seen a couple of blows between those two characters, you know, the master and the student. I agree. I, I would, I was like, please let him fight. Please let him fight. But no, it's like catch a punch and, and just, and I think if you saw, you saw that it was a close up shot of the, the fist catch, but you, do you think it would have been a better scene if the, it was a wide shot of that? You know what I'm saying? No, I I liked the close up. I, I, I liked it okay, getting yeah. getting in on on Sam Elliott and giving him you know pre his presence on the screen. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it could have been as effective as a wide shot and then cut to the close up for the dialogue, but I I liked it the way they they cut it together. Yeah, and so now let's talk about Kelly Lynch's character Doc, like sure. how how they're introduced and basically, hey, I'm a I'm your doctor. I'm si I'm stitching you up. You know. I'm I'm a hot doctor, but I'm wearing glasses. It's that very 80s. I mean, it still continues today. So I guess I should say movie trope, but it was especially prevalent in the 80s of she's not hot because she's wearing glasses. Exactly. And then you know, it talks about, you know, how does this happen? It's like oh, natural causes. He's like, looks like a, she's like, look like a knife phone. He's like, that's what exactly. And hands him a medical chart that he carries around. Right. He carries his own medical records around. <laughs> who, who do you know does that? <laughs> and then, well, I, it, I'm not mentioning any names. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's, I'll plead the fifth on that one. But um, then he looks over. She looks over his old injuries, and it's like what two gunshot wounds, four stainless steel screws, nine knife wounds, thirty-one broken bones, on top of his nine staples that he's getting in his at in his rib area. And it's like, how does he do this? Like that many that many injuries, and he still goes. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, and. And and I had a slight issue with that scene because we see in the, the opening scene where Dalton's at the first bar that he's at. Oh, yeah. Um, we see him get stabbed, you know, sliced with the knife, and he just goes to the office and stitches himself up, which establishes that he's a badass, yeah. essentially. I mean, that's that's what we can take away is, oh, he's a badass. He can, he can sew up his own stitches. And then when he gets knifed in that fight, 
he goes to the hospital. Yeah. And it's like, well, why didn't he just sew up his wound there too? Well, because we need to introduce the doctor. Exactly. So I almost felt like it was it was a poorly motivated scene to get the character in. I agree. I, I, I didn't think about that. And then you brought up like, yeah, wait, he stitched himself up. Then he goes to the hospital for a knife. wound. like, what the hell? Well, cause she even comments on his stitches. You know, she yeah. even comments. Nice work. He says, thank you. Like, <laughs> as if she knows that he did it himself. Like, I, yeah. I don't think there's a way to look at stitches and go, Oh, you did that yourself. Especially if they're good. Like if they were sloppy, I could see her going, who the hell did that? But yeah. instead she's like, Oh, nice work. There you go. But then, then you see her more and she's dressed more dressed down. And well, she never wears the glasses again. Yeah, she didn't. No, she didn't. Yeah, she 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 takes them off. She wears them in that first scene, and then she's never in the glasses again because now she's allowed to be hot. Exactly. So another thing was like um, I read somewhere Swayze when he interview with this, he claimed that this movie changed the way bouncers do work. I guess in some sense, which is like going back to like certain movies, how things they can change things in the real world, which is amazing. Like this movie, or I don't know, I don't know what else movies that you could think of that does the same thing changes the perception of things in real life. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's definitely an interesting, you know, I mean, looking at the way he handles, because there's a definitive difference between the way he handles that his occupation of, mm-hmm. of bouncing and the way the other guys do when he first comes to the double deuce, because they like, they take issue with his way when he sits, stands there and presents his three rules to them, you know, they're like blowing him off. Like what, this is bullshit. Yeah, exactly. But if you, I guess that would be kind of the change is, is showing this change in mentality to the bouncer profession. And suddenly they have more of a code to go by and it's not just beating the shit out of people. It's, you know, trying to cool things down and get the fight outside if there's going to be a fight and, and that kind of stuff. So I can certainly see how it would change the profession. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I'll talk about is uh, back to Ben Gazzara's character, how he invited Dalton to his house, wanted to talk to him. <laughs> and then he, he he brings up the Memphis thing, right? Let, let, let me, before you go into that, though, the, the, I loved that scene when he first arrives at um, Wesley's house mm-hmm. because, you know, we've, we've had all of these scenes at the Double Deuce where there is this very blues, I mean, it's the Jeff Healy band, you know, the, and they are killing the blues music oh, and yeah. the rock music and that kind of stuff. And he shows up at Wesley's house and there is this 80s synth pop type music going. And I was like, oh, there's the difference between the two. And I even wrote that down. And then Ben Gazzara goes off about turn that shit off. I hate that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so the movie does it to establish a difference between these characters, but at the same time, Wesley doesn't even like that kind of music. I uh, know he said, has no heart, has no heart. And then, yeah, it, it, and then when Dalton looks at the picture of his grandfather, he was an asshole. Right, right. So, well, and, and the other, well, sorry. And so go ahead. And you were talking about in that scene that he brings up, uh, my, uh, not Miami, uh, uh Memphis. He brings up yeah. Memphis. So he brings it because basically talk, talk to Dalton and say, Hey, you and me are the same came up the hard way. And then, Basically talking about, I you know, went through Korea. I came to this town. There was nothing. I brought everything here. And Dalton's bringing up the fact, you've gotten rich off the people in this town. He's like, you damn, you bet, bet your ass I have, and I'm going to get richer. He says, he claims he has this destiny to be this kind of guy, to get everything that he feels is deserving to him. And then he's like, oh, you, know, you beat people for a living. You pay to do it. You love it, don't you? Of course you do. You wouldn't be human if you did. And then he turns and says, I got a cousin in Memphis. Does you kill the man down there? He basically, you see the sense he's kind of blackmailing Dalton in a sense. 
With, that, which fits that, with the extortion scheme. <laughs> exactly. So he wants to, so then he brings up how much it come how much should it cost for me to come for you, for you to come work with work for me? I was like, okay, he's, he's black he wants to blackmail him because of his past. He knows of it. It's almost like you don't work for me, I'm gonna expose it, I guess you might say. And he didn't. Which later on the movie you thought he would I thought he would. But Well and I and I loved that because when the, the first guy, Tillman, uh, Tiller, what is Tillman, his name? Tillman. Tillman. Yeah, when when Tillman comes and, um, you know, f- says, I want to hire you, yeah. he just rolls off, you know, whatever the, the, the price is going to be. It's this much up front and then this much a week and blah, blah, blah. And when Wesley says, you know, how much money would it take? He, he draws the line. Like, it's not about the money. No, it's it's about the, the, the morality of it or the ethics of it. That He's not going to work for yeah. the bad guy. It's a, it's a it's an integrity thing for Dalton in a sense. Yeah, yeah, which I which I liked about the character. Yeah, and then if you see down the line how like um, the thing the, the the club picks up, it's looking better than it looks like a shithole, you know. And then he, then I he, love he, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At first, he, he first tries out. It's a shithole dive bar, and then you see I don't know how you know the progression of the movie and changes to. You know, lovely luxury or whatever of the town, uh, but then also uh, he's they're running out of liquor, right? And the guy's like, "I'm running out of booze, but I, I got the place I wanted, but I'm running out of booze. Why is this happening?" And Dalton's like, "Okay, it's Wesley, right? And Wesley he, handles the the booze, the distribution." Yeah, and Dalton's like, "I'll take care of it." And then going to late, that's how then you get Sam Elliott's introduction because of the liquor delivery. Yeah, well, and I and I loved that. Uh, upgrading of the double deuce throughout the film that it does. It starts out as just an absolute dive bar. And then after Dalton has been there, we don't know how long, but presumably a little while suddenly there's not chicken wire around the band around the stage. Like that's the first thing I noticed is there's no chicken wire. And then you get a little further into the movie and you notice that the employees are now all wearing red shirts. Like there's a uniform look to it. And then the next time you see outside, you notice that they've upgraded the outside, you know, it has lights and then you realize, Oh, they've got really nice tables and chairs and stuff. And yeah, I mean, the place is definitely getting successful. And then you run into the issue of the liquor. But I love the, the the fact that they didn't do it all at once as far as upgrading the double deuce. I agree. But there was this progression of it um, becoming more successful. And, and that's, you know, because of Dalton's influence. Exactly. He's like, I'll take care of the liquor and then, you know, it goes from there. Bite Size Biographies is the podcast of life stories. I was born in Petaluma, California. I grew up in Detroit. I was born in Hong Kong. Born in Interior, BC, in Canada. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I just had a wild time in high school. I slipped out the back door. An hour later, she was arrested. I failed out of that school another three times. Poo and sex, those are interesting. I got expelled from school. The other big thing that happened was it damn near bankrupt me. 21 years old, making like $49,000. And he proposed to me. We ended up getting married. I patented the first digital fish scale. After I finished my PhD, join me as I converse with people about their lives by visiting bitesizebiographies.com or search Bite Size Biographies where you listen to podcasts. All the fight scenes, I mean, but minus the J- Jimmys and Daltons, you know, you got... Like, look at Sam Elliott. The fight scene where you really see Jimmy firsthand before Jimmy his big fight with Dalton. 
Right. When Wesley shows up at the bar, which is a ballsy move. That's like so, so over the top villain right there. Hey, I'm going to show up. And and that's the night that Red's place burns down. Exactly. He's like, because he makes the comment about bring the firefighters in here. I want to buy them all a drink. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And he has his goons kind of, well, first of all, he lets Denise dance, dance, which I wanted to talk about Denise. So she is designed to stand out. And I noticed the first time Dalton is at the double deuce when he's first scoping it out before he's really started the job. Mm -hmm. She's with a group of girls and she is blonde in a white dress and the other girls are brunettes in dark dresses. So she is designed from the get go to stand out and not knowing anything about the movie. I thought, Oh, this is going to be the love interest. And instead she's with Wesley's she's Wesley's girl which yeah. I guess Doc was once upon a time or he wanted Doc to be. We see in one scene that she's been abused. Yep. And then we see in that scene as well, you know, where Wesley comes to the bar and is, is showing off. She gets up on stage and strips. Mm-hmm. So that's like step one is she strips and then the guys come for the brawl. And that's when Jimmy is introduced. Exactly. And it's like the, the line that Swayze says, if you're going to have a pet, keep on a leash. I'm like, yes. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, but you do get that fight between Jimmy and um and Wade at that point where exactly. we first kind of see Jimmy's moves, but we also get to see Wade really uh how how he fights his thought process. Exactly. Um, another thing I want to talk about Roadhouse is you mentioned the music with Jeff Healy band. They did good with the blues and rock. Um, if you I don't know if you read about this that Swayze actually wrote a song for the movie and right. and sang on two of them for the soundtrack. Which doesn't surprise me because he wrote one for Dirty Dancing. He wrote exactly. and sang one for Dirty Dancing. I mean, he, the dude has a musical side that never, I mean, other than Dirty Dancing, re- never really got to be played on stage no, or I, on screen. I, yeah. It's it's like, it, it shows the expansion of talent that he had, which is amazing, it, but wasn't showcased enough, I think. Yeah. And and I also want to bring up, the, go back to the fact, the injuries that he suffered. He also got a knee injury. In this yes. movie too, and it was because of these injuries he had to turn down future roles that were going to be physically demanding. Like he turned, he had, he, he couldn't, he turned down Predator Two, and he also turned down Tango and Cash, and the, but then he went on to move, make Ghost, which was not physically demanding, and A Blessing Disguise. That movie did better than the pre- those other two. <laughs> right. Yes. The, so. the kind of it kind of saved his career from going down a bad hole yeah uh, it's one of those you know lucky accidents i mean it's a shame that he got hurt and it, it wasn't the only time his knee i mean he, it was a specific injury from this movie but he had had knee issues during dirty dancing as well of course um but but it's one of those fortunate accidents where yeah he got hurt and that's a shame i'm certainly not saying that's a good thing no but it steered his career in a more positive direction than it would have been i agree it's like like it's like blessing the skies but you know, at the same time, it's like, damn, he got injured. So you hope he's okay in and, and all that sense. Right. So I wanted to mention a couple of the, the minor actors who show up that just kind of in tiny roles. As we said, uh, uh, Jeff Healy as the, the lead singer. It, it is his band performing in the background mm-hmm. for a lot of the movie. And he's kind of an interesting character because, first of all, it's this you know blind musician because Jeff Healy himself was blind. Yeah. But he delivers so much of the movie's exposition. I like, agree. 
you know, he, he lays out who Wesley is. He lay, he tells the audience who Dalton is, you mm-hmm. know, he's the one who announces his name's Dalton. And that's when everybody's like, Oh, well, whisper, 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 whisper. And yeah. I love the fact that half of the things that you hear about Dalton, the rumors, they do turn out to be true. You know, exactly. he did, yeah. he did kill a man once and he is able to rip someone's throat out with his bare hands as we <laughs> see later on. So instead of it just being these rumors that like build the character, which they do, they're also foreshadowing of events to come later in the film. And no, it's like, it's, they're not like dismissive in a sense. They're not one-off statements. Right, right. But I also loved, and it's a, an absolute blink if you miss it type thing. I'm a huge uh, Babylon 5 fan, which Marshall Teague was in Babylon 5 for quite a few episodes. But the other really interesting thing is when Dalton is first at the, the bar and checking it out, there's a guy who knocks a woman over. And that woman is Patricia Tallman, who was on Babylon 5. She was a stunt woman before she was an actress. And like the only thing I had really seen her do stunts in before was Army of Darkness. And it was one of those, like, I, there was no way it was not her, but she's only on screen for like half a second because I, she gets knocked over. You, you, <laughs> the one who got kicked out of her chair? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Wow. I, yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, Jeff oh, Healy, Patricia Tallman. And then, of course, behind the bar. Keith David. Keith David, which Keith David. gets so underused in this movie. And the thing is, like, I, more reading about this, this movie originally was three hours long plus. Yes, three and a half almost. I'm like, I'm like, damn, this is this is fucking Titanic. And I, honestly, as a big fan as I am, I don't know if I could sit through that. Honestly, <laughs> right, right. But, but there's so many deleted scenes. Like even Keith David's character, there's more deleted scenes with him. The waitress, uh, more Carrie deleted. Ann, yeah, Carrie Ann got was scenes were deleted, and some other, some so many other ones. I was like, I'm a big fan. I, I big fan. When I buy the Blu-rays or DVD. I kind of like want to watch them. I was like, hmm. I wonder what it'd been like if they really incorporated it into the final cut. But and since I look at like, yeah, no wonder they cut that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I would love to have seen. I mean, my understanding is what was cut from Keith David was kind of he comes into the bar and holds his own, and that's how he ends up getting the bartender job after mm-hmm. Dalton fires the initial bartender for stealing. Um, so I, I would have liked to have seen more of that one, because it would have been an establishment of him, not just, Oh, there's Keith David randomly. Yeah. It would have established his character, but also just, I could always go for more Keith David. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. It's, it's, it's just a one line. Like, Whiskey's running low. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then no, speaking of drinks, like you mentioned, uh, the coffee that Dalton likes to drink. The sec- he gets his, his coffee a second time. The bartender asks him, leaded or unleaded? I'm like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? A coffee, caffeinated or decaf. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yes. Yes. You've never heard that term before? No, I have not. I'm not a bartender, so no, I don't ever heard of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a barista. <laughs> I don't think of it as much of a bartender phrase as like a diner type phrase. Like I, it would have, it, it didn't feel out of place because it's a small town type place anyway, but it would have felt more in place when he and Wade and Doc are at the little diner. I agree there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So that, okay. That's what it meant. Damn. <laughs> oh my i'm learning something new every day yeah so so what have we not chatted about that you wanted to talk about i've got one other thing but i want to give you the chance to chat first the monster truck in the movie <laughs> did you know that's actually bigfoot seven yes okay. yes yeah i saw that and, I, and it's one of those that when you see the guy with the monster truck early in the movie it becomes a Chekhov's gun yeah you, you see the monster truck you're like oh cars are going to get crushed later on Exactly, and, and sure enough, they do. 
in a dealership. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The whole, well, yeah. I mean the dealer, the dealer room of the dealership, which is just a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, that goes to what that review was saying about the, the lots of big explosions and even a monster truck or two. The explosions get a little cartoony as the movie goes on as well. Like yeah. red's place is on fire and Dalton goes racing towards it to make sure red's okay. And it, has a huge explosion which is like okay yes of course it does but then the same thing happens with emmett's house later on and then with the car when uh dalton is making his way to wesley's place the car explodes and it's like okay now we're getting a little big on the explosions for no reason and i bet that pissed off car enthusiasts they ruined a damn good mercedes in the film well and that's the other thing i wanted to chat about was the cars like again it's another one of those aspects that really told so much about dalton i love the fact that he has this beautiful mercedes and when he leaves town at the beginning of the movie he leaves to go to to the double deuce he leaves behind his car he throws his keys to a a vagrant and and leaves his car yeah. And then he gets to this new town, and the first thing he does is buy a junker car, mm-hmm. and and then puts his Mercedes, you know, covers it up so nobody can see it. And yeah. I I I was like, what the hell is going on? And then yeah. once he starts making waves with this new way of thing doing things, I was like, oh, they're going to take aggression out on his car, so he's saving his really nice car by letting them trash a junker car anyway. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, like. One movie, the farmer he rents the barn from, he looks up that tarp and sees a Mercedes. You see him just like, what in the hell? And then he see him, he sees Dalton's Tai Chi thing. I wonder if he's thinking like, is this guy for real? Is this guy something? He's not, you know. And he's only charging Dalton what a hundred dollars a month, and it's not even about the money. It's so that um, he don't get pursued by church people, right? So the church, well, it's not even being sued. It's so the church doesn't judge him. It's, yeah. It's, Doing it so that, uh, what was the line? Oh, to keep Emmett in the good graces of the church. Exactly. <laughs> and I love Dalton's line about funny how money does that. Like, ooh, yeah. there's a little social commentary stab for you. Exactly. What else is there? It's like, what about, okay, how when the last scene, prior to the last scene, is like Wesley calls Dalton at the bar and says, Wade or Elizabeth? One of them dies. Yes. And then you've progressed. And then a coin flip. And said, I wish I could tell you how, how it went. Hang up. Way comes and he's be- beat the two shits a Sunday. And he's like, I was lucky. And and Dog's like, oh, shoot, I got to find Doc. And right. Then, because if it's okay, even though he's beaten up, if he's alive, then obviously the target is Elizabeth. Doc. Exactly. And then Doc is like, no, I'm not going with you because of what you did to Jimmy, you psychopathic motherfucker. <laughs> 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 and then she's like, I'm at, go get out of here. And he's, he's, he's so dejected, you can see. But he's pissed yet dejected. He goes back to the bar and then Wade's just like, instead, it was Tails. Yeah. And then... Which I didn't catch it, but I was reading that, you know, he, he has the, the car go through the, the barricade of people mm-hmm. and they open the door and discover that he used that same knife to jam down the gas pedal. That's why yeah. it was going through. Yeah. And apparently, if you look at that shot, there is a quarter attached to the end of the knife that's up Tails. I just okay. I, I didn't catch it. I was just I, I reading. Gotta, I didn't catch that. I gotta catch this one. And um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so then he, then the guy who has a knife puts in his little holster, and then Dalton stabs him with him. Said tails again. Yeah. Well, and I, I liked that because it was like, okay, yeah, he takes the knife out and puts it in his holster, so it was his knife. He's the one who killed Wade. Yeah. So Dalton knows specifically which one. Yeah, you're fair game because you killed my friend. 
Exactly. All right, let's uh, head into the uh, closing credits here. Got a couple of games to play before we're done. Uh, First up is The Algorithm Says. This is a list of movies various algorithms say you will like because you liked this movie. And so this is like a lightning round of your responses. You like the movie. You don't like the movie. You don't see how the hell it's connected to Roadhouse. You know, that kind of thing. Got it. All right. So first up, Cocktail. Never seen it. Yeah, Tom Cruise, it's another bar movie. That's yeah. about all I could come up with. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh Walking Tall, the 2004 version with The Rock. Liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one. All right. Tombstone. Great movie. Yeah. I think uh Sam Elliott Sam is Elliott. the connecting thing there. Yeah, exactly. All right. Point Break. I never saw never saw it, but her real Swayze is real good in that one. Yeah, and I have to admit that's the other Patrick Swayze like blockbuster that I have not seen. I still have I, somehow I had never seen Roadhouse until today, and mm-hmm. I have still not seen Point Break. But I I really need to watch it. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, I need to, I need to too. Obviously, the connecting factor there is, Swayze. is Patrick Swayze. All right, next of kin. Obviously, a Swayze film, but never seen it. Yeah, me neither. All right, risky business. Tom Cruise sliding down in his underwear, but never seen it. <laughs> it's the only way i know that what that movie is is tom cruise sliding down his underwear singing to bob seger yeah all right young guns uh see never seen it you've never seen young guns i have wow. okay. i know i know is it charlie sheen blue diamond phillips Kiefer sutherland right right so. Well, and now I like I, I I it was one of those that I put on the list going, OK, now we're getting into the how is this connected mode. But if you think of Roadhouse as a modern day Western, as a modern day Western, then that connection becomes a lot more apparent. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, face off. Face off. Didn't see all of it. So I can't give a like or like not like on that one. I love it. I'm I'm such a big fan of that movie. And it's it's bad, but it's one of those so bad it's yeah. good type movies. So that's a connection to Roadhouse. It's good, bad, whatever it is. Right. Okay. Street Fighter, the movie. Sucked. (laughs) It sucked. I'm sorry. Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile, no. Yeah, it was a catastrophe. I still don't know how they messed that movie up so badly. And the shame is that it was Raul Julia's last performance. Oh, God. That 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 is kind of what killed him, I think. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Actually, can, can, a good a good part of that movie was Kylie Minogue's Cammy. There we go. Yes, that's true. That's, that's true. About it. That's about All it. Right. And lastly, The Water Boy. Let me tell you, I can detail my H two O, but I can't do it. Yeah, that was a good movie. I have no idea what it has in common with Roadhouse, though. I don't. I uh, I don't remember seeing Henry Henry Winkler in the Roadhouse movie. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> um. No, I'll see a connection. Yeah, me neither. All right, we always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. You, and you're going to do fine on this. I'm sure. Um, number one, while only being referred to as Dalton, the character's full name can briefly be seen on his James. medical records. James. What is his first name? Uh, you sure you want to go James? James. Uh, no, it's Jack. What? It's Jack. I thought it was James. Damn, I, fu- I screwed up. <laughs> uh, all right, number two. Due to a knee injury from filming this movie, Swayze had to turn down several other roles and choose to do Ghost instead, which clearly ended up being the right move for his career. What movie did Swayze turn down? You've already covered yeah, that. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Tango and Cash and Predator 2. Yep, absolutely. 
Uh, number three, according to Marshall Teague, who plays Jimmy, he brought his mother to the premiere of the film where she had an interesting reaction to his line, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. How did she respond? A, she walked out of the theater. B, she snuck out as the end credits started. C, she smacked him and said, I raised you better than this. Or D, she stood up and shouted, that's my boy. <laughs> um, I say, I think it's D. It is D. She stood <laughs> up and shouted, that's my boy, in the middle of the premiere. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, and last question. The film was a box office flop, critically panned, and received several Razzie nominations the year it came out. Years later, it would earn what other bad movie honor? A, it was the first movie to be given a Riff Tracks commentary. B, it was featured in the book Don't Watch This Movie. C, Roger Ebert included it on a list of movies to avoid. Or D, people started creating audience participation showings. Hmm, wow. Um, I'm gonna say B. It was featured in the book, Don't Watch This Movie? Yeah. No, I'm not even uh, sure that there's a book by that name. It was the very first movie to get a Riff Tracks commentary. I never heard of Riff Tracks, so... <laughs> oh, Riff Tracks is done by the guys who originally created MST3K. And they've created these Riff Tracks, which are downloadable comedy commentaries on the films that you can start on your you know media player as you're watching the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mike Nelson is the one of the ones who helped create it. And uh, yeah, the very first movie he did a riff tracks for uh, is, is roadhouse. Well, and you can find, if I remember correctly on Amazon, they have several movies where they've put the riff tracks in with it. So you can go ahead and just watch the movie right there and have the riff tracks playing with it. Oh, cool. All right, man. Uh, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Um, anybody locally listening? Uh, I do host Chevy Gates, Charleston sports pub in Somerville, South Carolina, weekly every Tuesday and Oak road brewery in Somerville, South Carolina, twice a month, Wednesdays. Um, you can check out their Facebook pages for trivia updates and all that stuff. So fantastic. That that's great. I was hoping you were going to plug your trivia. If you didn't, I was going to, uh, uh, go to you to into that. All right, man, this has been a great conversation and thank you for giving me the opportunity to watch roadhouse. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about Roadhouse, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess on Twitter and Letterboxd, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter. On Facebook, we're at Have Not Seen This Podcast, or you can email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode... It started with a game. You gonna bust the record! But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then, one night... This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Sean for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rave Telsh, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.